know, I started off uh, with, with things together. Um, by the way, <laughs> didn't know, my name's Sid, and I'm with uh, SUM. Uh, um, you know, I, I, lost, uh, I lost hours of my job, I lost my place. You know, I, that will even, you know, stirred up some lies around my girlfriend. She ended up dumping me. Um, you know, I, I ended up on the streets for a good, good amount of time, uh, somewhere around 40, 40 days, 30. I, I like to say the 40 days because I relate to Jesus. Um, and, you know, it, through that time, it's like God was was allowing these things so that I, I could have the, 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 the weeds that were woven into all these weeds, you know, all the, all the things that I was trying to sow, uh, and, and just so it can be burned away with all of it. But in the end, you know, something that was more precious came out of it, and that, that is my character was changed through the whole time. He, he says, uh, you know, like the thing that was greater worth was, was the faith that was in there, that, that gold that you, and he refined it to bring it out even more. And he just showed me scripture after scripture as I walked through the wilderness, he said, you, you know, he, he's, he's like, I like to call it the concrete jungle because I was sitting out there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, uh, dude, as I was out there uh, day after day, I, I felt myself closer to God because the fact that his spirit would speak to me for something. There were times where I didn't have money for anything, and I literally had to pray for food. You know, there was a time I remember Christina showed up with her with her kid and then giving me what she had. You know, it was a little, but it satisfied. It got me through to the next day. You know, there, there were times like that, but God was always faithful. And um, I was sitting in prayer earlier today. God told me, you know, your heart is broken, so I'm going to give you mine. Um, I want to get this scripture uh, that he put on my heart to, to read out to you. Who shall separate us from the love of God or love of Christ? Shall tribulation or disease or per, uh, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to, to be to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things uh, present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can come over everything. And for the first time in my life, I can say all that's behind me that I was. Because now even I have my own place to live. My own, for every first own apartment, the lease is signed to everything. Everything is changing. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. How about everybody just raise your hands. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this time. We know that you have changed lives. We thank you for that testimony. We ask that many more will come, God, out of this service today. The hearts will be changed. Let people hear your voice today, Jesus. We worship you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, just right now, just an attitude of worship right now. God, we give you highest praise, God. The highest praise, God. We're so thankful for testimonies like that, Lord. We've got your faithfulness, God. Your faithfulness is the thing that stands out. Come on, church, right now. Come on, let's thank the Lord that he's faithful. Come on. 
that he meets with us this morning where two or three are gathered. He's faithful. Boy. Let me sing wonderful. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross has spoken mercy over me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can fully know. How glorious, how beautiful you are. We'll sing it. Beautiful one, I love. Beautiful one, I adore. Beautiful one, my soul must sing. Oh, sing powerful. You're powerful, so powerful. Your glory fills the skies. Your mighty works is made for all to see. Who oh, sing? The beauty of your majesty awaits my heart to see. How marvelous, how wonderful you are. The beautiful one I love, beautiful one I adore, beautiful one my soul must sing out. The beautiful one. Sing it again, sing powerful. Powerful. Come on, church, let me hear you sing. Your glory fills the sky. Your mighty works is for all to see. The beauty, the beauty of your majesty awakes my heart. sing it. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful you are, Jesus. For one, my soul must sing. The beautiful one, I adore. The beautiful one, my soul must sing. Cause you open my eyes to your wonders and you capture my heart with this love. Cause there's nothing on earth that's as beautiful as you Cause you've opened my eyes to your wonders And captured my heart with this love Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you I'm gonna sing it out, you open Cause you've opened my eyes to your wonders And you captured my heart with this love there's nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. One more time, sing it out. Cause you've opened my eyes to your wonders in you. You capture my heart with this love. Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. This beautiful one I love. Beautiful one I adore. Beautiful one my. 
open my eyes, see wonders in you. You capture with this love, because nothing on earth. Does he capture your attention? Does he get your heart? Does he get your love this morning? Oh, open my eyes to your wonders in you. You capture my heart with this love. Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you. You open my eyes to your wonders in you. You capture my heart with this love Because nothing on earth is as beautiful as you So Lord, no one is beautiful as you No one is beautiful as you No one like you, Jesus No one like you, Lord Oh, sing a song from your heart this morning no like you, Lord. No like you, Lord. Oh, no like my Jesus. Hey. Sing it out to you, Lord. So like, so like you, Lord. No like you. Suffered as if he did. 
can sing all authority. And all authority. And every victory is yours. Come sing, Savior. Savior, worthy of honor and glory. Worthy of all our praise. You overcame. In Jesus, awesome and powerful forever, awesome and great is your name, you overcame, seated, seated, seated above, enthroned in the Father's love. Destined to die, destined to die, and poured out for all mankind. God's only Son, God's only Son, perfect and spotless One. Oh, yes, He never sinned, but suffered as if. Sing all authority, all authority, every victory is yours, Savior, and Savior, worthy of honor and glory, worthy of honor. Awesome and powerful forever. Awesome and great is your name. You overcame. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our Upon every saint in this place, sing it out. Everyone overcome. Yes, we will. We will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everyone overcome. Whoa! 
awesome and powerful forever. Awesome and great is your name. Every struggle, every stronghold, Lord, every city I want more time, and we will
It's hard to hear you, God. You know, sometimes in the midst of all the music and everything going on, we just forget the most important part of just listening to the Holy Spirit and Him speaking to us. So we're going to leave the couple moments right now for the Holy Spirit to just do that. Every person right now, before you wait for a word and someone to speak something to you, just ask the Lord to just speak to your heart this morning. Holy Spirit, you are God. You desire to meet with your people. Love us so much, Lord. Come and speak to you, people, God. this place come lift our hands we come close to you as a body lord we come close to you as a church this morning every person in this place be touched by the power of the holy spirit right now rivers rivers let them run deep let them flow let them flow Rivers of living water, rivers of living water, come refresh our
Jesus. Lord, you just told us to work, 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 and toil the land. God, our land is sick. Our land is broken, Lord God. Morally, spiritually. God, our culture no longer knows how to love with the true love. It's a lustful love. It's not love, it's lust. God, the recent rulings in the Supreme Court, Lord God, with homosexuality and, and homosexuals being able to marry, Lord God. Lord God, even though it hasn't spread across the country just yet, God, it's, it's a disease, Lord God. We need to be healed, God. We, we ask you to heal our land. As we work it, Lord God, as we toil, Lord God, as we toil the land, God, as we make it more fertile with the word of God, heal it, God. Heal our land. God, let morality and ethics God, build upon the foundation of your word in this land, Lord God, that the government officials, Lord God, will, will out of their, their own morality, Lord God, based upon your word, Lord God, come forward, Lord God, with an appeal, God. God, we'll let it start here, right here in this church. In this moment, this second, as we lift our hands to pray, as we lift our hands to ask you for healing, to ask you for revival, to ask you to change the hearts and minds of our society.
as the righteous we will stand. We as the righteous we will stand. We as the righteous we will stand. We will stand. We will stand. We as the righteous we will stand. We as the righteous we will stand. We as the righteous we will stand. We will stand. We will stand. We as the righteous, we will stand. We as the righteous, we will stand. We as the righteous, we will stand. We will stand. Church, We as the righteous, we will stand. We as the Amen. Jesus, we are righteous and we will stand up for morality. We are righteous and we will stand up for the Word of God. God, we make that declaration right now, right here. We will stand for morality. We will stand for your Word, God. For we have overcome the world. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. Amen. We will say amen. Let's praise God. Amen. Now we are going to transition. So, uh, children, you are dismissed. You can uh, head towards the sound booth to go and do your thing and praise the Lord in the back. Let's give it up for the children. Yeah. They are our future, amen. Amen. I, I want to just thank all the, the parents for, uh, for what you stand for in your own home and, and what you allow and what you don't allow in your own home, for you are making our future. Amen. Amen. My name is Chris Vitale. I'm one of the pastoral elders here at Metro Praise International. Welcome. Amen. God is in this place. And please go with me to 1 Timothy Chapter 1, I'm going to talk to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. It's an honor and privilege to stand before you, having received Jesus myself. Go with me to uh, verse 8. Go with me to verse 8. Are you there with me? Say amen. (laughs) Amen. Some of you guys got to wake up this morning. Hear the word of God. Okay, verse 8, it says, We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me, Paul. When I was praying, I was, th- this was, has been on my heart for a couple of weeks now as I've, you know, as I've been preparing for, for this message. Our society is going down 
the wrong way, philosophically, in the way we're thinking. It's more, more of an irreligious, faithless type thinking. It's really an atheistic type thinking as well. And there's no foundation for morals. And so because our society is going that way, it allows things like homosexuality and various other things. Homosexuality is not the biggest thing out there as well. There are many other sins that go against the sound doctrine of the Bible. And so I'm here to tell you that the way our society is going is going, is going the opposite way of the Bible. And we as Christians and those of us who don't confess to be Christians just yet, if you follow our society, you're going down the wrong way as well. So I'm here to tell you that homosexuality, murder, stealing, lying, disobeying your parents, taking God's name in vain, the, the word of God, going against what the word of God says, that is sin and God will judge you accordingly. And so very simply, very simply, because then we're going to go into uh, reciting our, our statement of faith, our creed. And guess what? Homosexuality is in there. Why? Because it's, it's going to talk about the it's going to talk about the Bible, God's holy book. Amen. And so, let me ask you a question: Does your life, does your thinking conform to the sound doctrine of the gospel? God has given us consciences we know right from wrong. So. Really, you guys can answer, answer that question. I'm going to do it out loud. It's rhetorical. Answer that question to yourself. Does my life conform to the gospel? Am I sinning in any way? Let me tell you, if you are, you need to repent. Repentance is a 180-degree turn. Don't do that sin again. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Have faith. How do we use the law properly? Faith. Faith. Have faith in Jesus Christ today. You will go from glory to glory. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for, I thank you that there is a philosophy that we can follow that will lead us to you, God. Besides the philosophy of our society currently, God, but we're working to change that. We're going to work, 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 and toil the land. Enjoy, Lord God, because of your word, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus dying on the cross for us. God, we thank you for that, the salvation that you offer us so freely and willingly. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Right now we're going to recite our creed of faith. Before we do that, I want to let you know that if you guys want prayer, if you haven't joined discipleship or a life group, please go over to Ricky and Griselda. Ask for prayer. They're here to pray with you. Just take a minute or 30 seconds. It's only going to take that amount of time. So we're going to recite our creed of faith, the, 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 the creed confession of faith, which is the creed of what we believe in. And um, so this, we believe this because this is our worldview. Things like homosexuality and other things that come up, this, here's the answer right here. This is what we should believe. We should check this according to the faith, our confession of faith. And the confession of faith is based off the Bible. So we're checking it off the Bible. So homosexuality, does that really line up with our faith? Well, you're going to see. Let's... Let's, let's, come, let's do our confession of faith. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. 
and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, and for grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Let's praise God. Amen. Go ahead and fellowship. Amen. We're feeling the love this morning. God is good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time here, you should have received a brochure. If you have not, you can raise your hand. That perforated card at the bottom, if you could please fill it out, 
and drop it in one of our drop boxes. That would be wonderful. We would love to follow up with you. Uh, but again, thank you for joining us. Our vision here at Metro Praise International is very simple. We want to love God and we want to love people. How many of you guys love God in this place? And we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we follow that wholeheartedly and we want to teach others to do the same thing. Our discipleship strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect everybody to the cross, mentor them with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And the way that we do that at MPI is we mentor you uh, through, we connect you to our weekly life groups. We mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And we do this one-on-one. -on -one. The first part, 101, where we mentor you, we do one-on-one -on -one with our leaders. And then our 201 is a Sunday school class every Sunday morning where we teach you and raise you up to be leaders in the church. And then we send you out to evangelize and to tell others about Jesus. How many of you guys have been bold with your faith, gone out to the streets and told somebody about Jesus? Make some noise in this room. Come on. And then our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in this city, in Chicago, with 50 churches, and then plant 500 churches around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Praise the Lord. God is moving, and we are excited about what he is doing. We also want to make an announcement about our life groups at this time. If our life group leaders can please come on up, we want to show you how you can be involved in our church. And every uh, quarter, every three months, our life group schedule changes. So we want you guys to get excited, pumped up right now. You should have a handout in your hand with the new schedule. So our, as our leaders are coming up, I want you to give them their, your full undivided attention because the reason why we do life groups in Metro Praise is because we want to be a church of disciples that share life together. Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. A church of disciples that share life together. So we're going to pass this baton, this microphone is a baton from Deanna going all the way down and they're going to present their life group to you and just let you know what they're about, what they're doing and that they want you to join with them. Amen. Amen. Raise your hand if you love people. Woo! Amen. So Every Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m., transportation is provided. We meet here, 5, come back at 8 p.m. We have Evangelism Life Group, okay? And just an encouragement, there have been people getting saved on the streets, getting healed on the streets, and just getting truth deposited in their lives. And so if you want to be a part of that, know that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, all right? Hope to see you guys there. Amen. I'm in charge of a single mother's life group. Can I see how many single moms we have here? Amen. That's enough. <laughs> we believe that single mothers have a very important role in the kingdom of God. So we are here to encourage you, to equip you to be better mothers, and also to be able to co-labor with us in the kingdom of God. So we meet every other Thursday starting July 7th, and then I mean every other Sunday after July 7th at 5 o'clock to 6.30 p.m. And the location is on your handout. Amen. My name's uh, Pastor Jared. We do sidewalk counseling, which tackles the abortion problem in our nation. And the abortion problem is twofold. One, it's just the evil and wickedness of abortion in the abortion industry. And then the other side of the coin is there are some hurt women and they need help. This season in our life group, our, our sidewalk counseling, we're stepping it up a notch. Amen. We're going to begin collecting diapers, formula, baby clothes, everything that uh, women might need for their children. 
We're going to begin to set up a network of female counselors to help them get public aid, so on and so forth, so that the women we meet can be plugged into the Church of Jesus Christ and get it everything they need for their children. And I think that's the way Jesus wanted it. Amen. My name's Ishmael Lopez. I'm an elder here. And how many people love tacos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love tacos, and you might have a taco if you come and hang out at our activity-based life group. What we, you know, you know what, you know what's so funny? I was just thinking about something serious to say. I just couldn't come up with anything. But uh, one one thought, one thought that I do have is this: before there were humans, there was fellowship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They fellowshiped one another. They believed in each other. They loved each other. Amen. And they created us in their image to do the same thing. So I want to invite you back to fellowship. Let's do what, what eternity has always done, what God has always done. Hang out together, share life, and be together. Amen? That's Sundays, every second Sunday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Montrose Beach this next, uh, this next quarter. So we love you. Hope to see you there. Amen. In his group, you might have a taco, and mine, you will have a taco. Okay? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Where are all the married people at? Amen, amen. You, marriage is a beautiful thing. That's why you guys got married. It's, when you get married, you're just perfectly in love, right? Don't have no issues. Never have any conflict. Never, ever get into any arguments, right? That's why, is that, okay, I'm missing something here. Obviously, I'm trying to be funny. Obviously, in marriage, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things, issues that you have to sort out. You know, Rachel and I, we could get into a lot of silly arguments, but you know that if, I don't handle it the right way, it could become a bigger argument. It could become a bigger deal. And so that's what we want to do for the next three months in our marriage life group. Uh, we meet once a month, uh, third Sunday of every Sunday, uh, the third Sunday of every month, uh, 5 p.m. my house. And we want to talk about that conflict resolution, dealing with problems the right way, with the right attitude, the right mindset. We're in the midst of you dealing with your, uh, with any issues or, you know, just any little uh, things that you go through conflict in marriage, you can still love and respect each other at the same time. Amen. So come on out. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to have a great fellowship. We go out on a date night on the third month. Last time we went to Navy Pier last month. We had a great time. So uh, come on out. Amen. Amen. I'm Pastor Berto. This is my wife, Priscilla. So we leave the MPI Adult Bible Study. Do we got any people out there that come out on Friday nights? Yeah. Woo. Every single Friday we meet at our apartment. And you know what? We will have not just tacos, but we have an entire hot dog with some mustard, some chips and salsa. Am I right, guys? Every Friday and refreshments. Okay, so not trying to compete, but guys, it's a fun time, but not just that, but we get into the Word of God. Amen. And there's such a hunger that just that you get when you study God's Word that the Spirit of God just, just puts in you when you get an understanding of His Word. So, guys, and we invite you to come on over every Friday at our place, 7 p.m. All right, let me hear a hand clap for all the parents out there. If you have a son or daughter, your favorite night of the week has got to be Wednesday nights because that is your time to bring your children, drop them off with our awesome team that wants to mentor them and train them up in the Word of God. So bring your children out at 6.30, at 6.30 to 8. If you have a special date night or a special errand you have to run, we're usually here until 9 or 9.30. So just let us know and we'll keep them a little longer. 
and just bring your kids out. We have different things throughout the month for them. We have worship. We have um, family fun nights at the end of the month where we do creative things. So if you need more information, please see me afterwards. And we don't have tacos for your kids, but we have cheese crackers. If your kids have been coming on Wednesdays, you know they love those cheese crackers, okay? And we have pizza, ice cream sometimes, so just bring them. It's going to be awesome. Hey man, my name is Pastor Adam, and I'm the youth pastor here. And every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, we have our youth life group. So if you're ages 11 to 18, you can come on out. And the things that we do since it's summertime and school is finally over, the delayed school year ended like last week, we are going to be going out to the beach. We're going to be taking trips downtown, having so much fun, planned activities, kickball. So again, if you're a youth ages 11 to 18, please come on out the second and fourth uh, Tuesday of the month. Some of the things we do, for those who want to know, uh, we get into Bible studies as well because we know that having a great time is great. Going out to the beach is fun, but also there are times of intimacy. So youth, if you hear me out, if you haven't been coming and I'm looking and seeing a couple that haven't been showing up, please come on out. You will enjoy yourselves now that summer is here. Take advantage of the beautiful weather. And the second Tuesday of the month, we are planning to do some more activities. So that's it. Amen. My name is Pastor Vanessa, and this is my husband, Chris, and my baby, Josiah. And we lead up Encounter Night. Encounter Night meets every Sunday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., and you are all welcome to come. Encounter Night is a place where we create an atmosphere for God to move in healing, miracles, wonders, deliverance. If you have anybody that you know that needs healing, deliverance, has demons that need to get cast out, bring them to Encounter Night. And if you have some demons... <laughs> Come to Encounter Night and get deliverance because Jesus wants to change your life and grow you in your intimate time with him through prayer. So come to Encounter Night and encounter God. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Life Group leaders. And I just want to let the church know as you clap it up from them, as they find their way back to their seats, it is their honor to have you into their home and have you share life with them. And I just want to uh, let you know, if they all don't have tacos for you, they will have living bread and water from heaven for you. Amen? Amen. And just a quick note here to understand how we've organized these life groups. They are categorized in four different categories. We have ministry-based, class-based, special needs-based, and activity-based. And uh, a mention for the class-based one, the marriage life group is a consecutive order of attendance so if you miss the first one you will not be able to attend the second and the third so this quarter our life groups our new life groups are starting july august and september so in order for you to be able to be a part of the whole marriage life group you have to attend all three first second and third amen praise god we are so excited about what god is doing uh in in our lives and through our lives and we just want to continue to reach the world for Jesus so any of these life groups that you decide to join bring a friend bring somebody in your life that does not know Jesus because that may be the avenue to bring them into the church they might not feel comfortable right off the bat to maybe visit a Sunday but if you say hey come to a barbecue with us let's go to Montrose Beach on a Sunday who does not want to go to the beach bring them to that life group and allow them to see church in action amen we are the body of christ we are the church it's not just this building 
So let us live it out and show them what it what it's about. Amen. Praise God. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive and give our tithes and offering. If you can please turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. The Bible teaches that the tithe is 10% of your total income. And at MPI, we believe that with all of our heart. And we strive to follow that command with all of our heart. A tithe is 10% of your total income. And an offering is above that, an amount between you and the Lord that we designate to building fund and missions because we believe that the world needs the gospel and as we give to missions you are planting seed all around the world to other nations so that they could continue to receive the gospel amen in second corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 it says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver say god loves a cheerful giver and we understand here that the tithe amount has already been set for 10% of your total income. Anything above that, we must not give reluctantly. The tithe and the offering is to be offered to God with a cheerful heart. And I want to share with you a quick illustration of how God showed me how we act when we don't tithe and we don't give to offering through my children. So Sometimes I give Bethany and Hannah cookies to bring to church for their snacks since we stay a little bit later. And I've noticed that there are times where they don't want to share with their friends at church. And so in that moment when I notice that, I have to explain to them, listen, if you share, it's okay that you have less because mommy and daddy have more at home. Or mommy and daddy can buy you more. So we have to teach our children in those moments that it's good to share, it's good to have to give what they have in their hand because even though it may seem less, there's actually an unending supply at home and at the grocery store, amen? So we have to see that same thing with God. When God is telling us as his children, give to my church so that, the, so that God's people can be taken care of, would we act like little children and don't want to share what we're saying to God is I don't trust you because I won't have enough for me where God is trying to teach us I have an unending supply of provision for your life if you just follow my commandments give to tithe be faithful to that whether it's little or whether it's lot it's a lot of that you have it's still 10% it's fair for everybody amen and that offering is above. So let's be cheerful givers. We thank all those that have faithfully partnered with us uh, at MPI that give faithfully. We thank you for your obedience to God that allows us to continue what we are called to do. Amen. If please stand up with your uh, on your feet with me as we prepare to come forward. And let's repeat this scripture verse that we uh, repeat every week. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to our life. We thank you, God, that you open doors that no man can shut. 
and you shut doors that no man can open. I pray for your favor upon your people right now as we continue to be faithful to tithe and to offerings. I pray that you would open up the storm, the, uh, the gates of heaven and pour out a blessing that we won't have room enough to receive. I ask, oh God, for your favor to be poured down upon employers and employees. I pray that raises and increase and promotions would come. I ask, oh Lord, that we would trust you with the little that we have so that you would be able to give us more so that we could give more and that we get more so that we can give more God for your kingdom to come to this earth I ask oh Lord that your hand would be upon Metro Praise International that you would meet our budget this month above and beyond what we could ask for to the glory and honor of your name in Jesus name we pray amen and amen come forward as you give sharing the good news of Christ, right here with Paige and Amanda. She came all the way from Indiana. Give it up. Audrey's spreading the good news, rocking out for Jesus. You know, it's going to go so far when it talks to a couple people. We haven't been out here that long, but we're going to keep it rolling, keep the ball rolling for Jesus, and uh, keep spreading the good news in Jesus' name. What's up, man? We're out here at Puerto Rico Festival talking to these people about God, awesome God is moving. What do you guys say? I don't know. It's just that it got to be going to influence the people in great ways today. God is awesome. Love him like he loves you. Jesus, 
joining forces with Chicago for Jesus to let people know that God loves them, that he died for their sins, that Jesus Christ died for their sins, to let them know that they can have eternal life. We're out here sharing the gospel, the good news with people. What a privilege, what a pleasure. It's a privilege to serve God. Amen. We are just experiencing God's amazing love out here. We've seen so many people give their lives to God and become born again right here on the street. Just from us asking if they need prayer. We've already prayed for a woman in Thailand who gave her life to God. We prayed for a man who gave his life to God. We're just experiencing God's amazing love out here. Yes, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. It's a privilege to, uh, to share God's love with His people. And uh, I'm learning here, and uh, people are letting us pray, and, and we're just seeing God move in a mighty way. Everybody, we're out here at the Bariqua Fest, just celebrating with people, preaching the gospel, showing Christ's love into people's lives as they're coming through here. Got some food going, got some fun stuff for the kids, just stopping random strangers out here, man, showing them the love of Christ. We're out here, and we're just sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone out here walking down the block. We're just really loving on people, anyone who needs prayer is going to get prayer, anyone, and we even, we're even offering free food. We're really just trying to share the love of Christ with people, kind of tag team in here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never find out the best way to approach people and things like that. Yeah. How do you feel about it? And dude, I, I'm just so excited to finally be out here at Boricua Fest, you know, to talk, tell people about Jesus and all that stuff, because dude, there's so many hurting people in this world, and man, they just need a taste of God and His power, you know, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how God's going to move and the testimonies that are going to come forth from this, so. Dude, I'm just so excited, you know, just to see who's going to get saved, who's going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't know. But yeah, dude, I'm just excited, right? Come on, would you just stand to your feet? We're going to pray for Chicago. We're going to pray for this wonderful city. Would you grab the person's hand next to you right now? Just introduce yourself so it's not weird. Hey, come on, we're going to pray for each other. Would you just do this? As we get ready to pray, we're holding hands like a family. Just think of three people in your neighborhood, your community, that you want to come to see, uh, come to find Jesus Christ, to see get saved. Because that festival we just did last week is just the beginning of what we can do on our jobs, in our homes, in the communities, wherever we go. Okay, so let's pray right now. Let's just think of those three people. Come on, and then just say this with me. Jesus, save now, name off their names right now. Come on. Steve, Michelle, Lord, we ask you to save Mike, God. Oh, Lord, would you save Lisa, Lord? Tyler, Jesus. If you have a few more, come on, just name them off. Even if they're your family members, neighbors. Oh, God, would you save them? Now, I'm just going to pray for our city. God, we love Chicago. Lord, this is the city you have us living in, Lord. 
God, we've set records for violence like last year, Lord. We just pray, God, for your mercy. We pray for you to stop the violence in this city. We pray for you to remove corruption. We pray, God, for the young people to grow up and honor their family, their parents, Lord. God, we pray for you to spare the lives of the unborn, Lord. God, we pray for morality, God, in this city, God. And, Lord, we pray for every family, Lord, God, that you would keep them safe, that you would bless them, every nation neighborhood, every community, God, every person in Chicago, Lord, they're all special to you. May they come to know and love you in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's bless the Lord. Come on, slap your neighbor a high five and say Chicago for Jesus, baby. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I just want to reiterate the importance of these life groups. We are on a quarter system, so every quarter we start new life groups now for January, uh, January, July, August, September, those three months. Join one of those life groups. Be a part of what God is doing here. Don't be alone. And I also want to encourage you to support what God is doing in those life groups and see how you can help. There's so many of you with talents, so many of you to give back. There's not one life group where the very people in that life group can't give back to those that are coming. For example, single moms. Maybe you can cook. You can bring something to the single mom's life group and encourage other moms. Maybe you could babysit someone else's kids. Nancy has started babysitting the whole neighborhood where we live at, and she's not even a single mom. It's just I love it, man. Just kids are everywhere. And and uh, the kids that come over to our house, they love our house so much that they got their favorite snacks. And I tried to give them snacks that, that Nancy doesn't give them, and they didn't want to eat my snacks. They told me, no, I only eat this kind of snack. So just we can help each other other out and I want to encourage you to do that also I just want you to know that today's message is going to be one of the best messages that you have ever heard on spiritual gifts by God's grace it is by God's grace the best I have ever given but here's the problem it takes about two hours for me to preach Okay, so I don't know what's going to happen right now it's like it would be awesome if I had two hours to do it so you're going to have to either, A, settle for the best job I can do for the remaining uh, 45 minutes, or let me preach the best sermon you've ever heard for the next two hours. Should we take a vote? No, I, I, I just want to let you know today I'm a little nervous, and I am being honest. I'm a little nervous because I spent more time on this than I have on any sermon, and uh, it's because it's my passion. And so if you just think about me in this message, just pray for me. Just say, God, do something good in his life uh, through this message because it, it just is my heart and passion. I'm a little nervous, and that doesn't always happen. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Lord, help me preach this in a timely manner. We're closing out our series on spiritual gifts. The whole series this month was called The Spirit-Filled Life. Every day in our daily devotions, I was giving a devotion about spiritual gifts. All you have to do to get those, go to lifechangingdevotions.com or our website, mpichurch.org, and you'll find them there. Also on Facebook, I always drop it like it's hot every day. Uh, 
And now we're going to be finishing it off with the grand finale. Last week, we went over chapter 12, where Paul kind of wets the lips of our Savior, uh, to give us to be uh, excited to taste his main meal. Like he, he gets us to have an appetizer in chapter 12, but 13 and 14 now is the meat of this sermon. And so what I want to do is I want to read... Uh, Chapters 13 and 14, without interruption, as much as I can, and then go by uh, verse by verse. So you guys are going to hear two chapters of the Bible read, then verse by verse. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. And you know what? Let's just take a pause. Can you put up next month's sermon series? I want them just to see it, just to get a little excited, because next month we got something really exciting to show you. And I want you to bring your friends. I know you always bring your friends, but I just I want you to know this next series is going to be so awesome and on point for the summer, because it's time to reach out and change lives. Discipleship, you had me at come. Woo, I just love it. I just I, I needed that. That was for me. I'm the little figurine right there with my hands next to Jesus. I just wanted that. So next month, we're going to be talking all about discipleship. Somebody go, woo, woo. Okay, come on. Let's now go back to our scripture. Two full chapters. Man, when was the last time you went to church? Even here, Metro Praise and her two chapters read without interruption. Doesn't happen a lot. So let's get ready uh, to do this. Starting in chapter 13, you may notice that it's familiar because it's the chapter of love. Everybody go, love. Now what's kind of cool about this is you understand it's in the middle of the boom shakalaka verses. So when you hear this uh, chapter next time at a wedding and it's talking about love, you could just get a kind of cheesy grin on your face, look to your neighbor, and just go boom shakalaka. Because you'll understand that this chapter is smack dab in the middle of Paul's point about spiritual gifts. Starting in chapter 13, verse 1. And now maybe you will understand when he says, If I speak in tongues, you ever hear this at a wedding? If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You ever heard that at a wedding? Come on. You know, Catholic weddings, any type of wedding. Next time you hear that, just look at your neighbor and go, boom, shakalaka. Just go, boom, shakalaka. Man, I know that tongues. I know what he's talking about. Because let's just be honest, when you were hearing this before in a wedding, you were like, tongues, what is he talking about? Now you know this chapter was right there in the middle of it. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Say that with me. One, two, three. Love never fails. Thank you. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away 
the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, say them with me, faith, hope, and love. One more time, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is Love, okay, now just take a break. Just think about what that chapter just uh, mentioned there. What was it talking about? It was talking about love. Everybody say love. Amen. I just turned off the speaker because it was buzzing. Just make sure we got a little bit more volume up there, please. Paul pauses between chapter 12 and chapter 14 to talk about love. Why do you think he paused in between those two chapters to talk about love? Because love is the center of all we do for Jesus. It is the center, and we'll talk about that later. Just give me a little bit more volume, please. Thank you. Chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we're supposed to follow the way of what? And eagerly desire what? No, here we go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. We'll say it again. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire what? Gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say gifts of the Spirit. Thank you. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring to you some revelation, knowledge, or prophecy, or word of instruction? Okay, does everybody understand? He's talking about tongues. Okay? Now, verse 7, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a pipe or a harp, how will anyone know what is in tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know that you, what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them was, is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. Everybody just look up at me, please. First 11 verses talked about tongues, and we need to understand them. Is everybody tracking? Okay, we got about 30 more to go. Hang on for the ride. Verse 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I also will sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? And since they do not know what you're saying you are giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified i thank god that i speak in tongues more than all of you what did paul thank god for that he did what spoke in tongues more than all of you what did paul thank god for he spoke more than all of you okay so did paul believe in speaking in tongues yes he did right he also believed in love right Let's keep going. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. 
Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it's written with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone is speaking in tongues, inquirers or unbelievers may come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Has anybody ever heard people speaking in tongues? Before you understood it, you heard it, and you thought those people speaking in tongues were out their mind. Anybody here ever have that happen? You heard people speaking in tongues, you thought they were out their mind. That's what the Bible talks about, because you don't understand it. But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, somebody say prophesying, thank you, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, explaining God is really among you. Verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak, one at a time, someone should interpret. If there's no one interpreter, the speaker should be quiet in the church, speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is being said. Did anybody hear people speak up today a prophetic word in the middle of the service? Did you hear that? While they were speaking, we were weighing what they said, okay? That's what it's talking about. For you can all, verse 31, can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak. Did any women speak here today? We might have to talk about that. We'll figure this out, right? Women should remain silent in the church. They're not allowed to speak, only cook and clean. No, they're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says, verse 35. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Everybody go, oh, snap. Okay. Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it's reached? If anyone thinks you are, they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, let themselves be ignored. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Everybody go, amen. Do you believe the word of God today? You just heard two complete chapters read in your hearing. Why would I do that? Because many times people will join a church like ours, see the hand clapping, hear the tongues, think we're out, we're mind, out of our mind, hear the prophecy, see us, and, see us and watch us do all this, and they will think somehow we're not biblical. I just read the Bible to you. We are as biblical as the Bible itself is. If you don't believe the Bible and you think the Bible is strange and weird, then we are as strange and weird as the Bible is. But everybody is following somebody. I'm following the Bible. Who are are you following? What writings are you going after? Is everybody tracking with me? Every church, every religion has to decide what they're going to do. Somebody once said, hey, you dress up like mother, we'll call you father and you'll feed us little yum-yums, okay? And then people started going to church to a man dressed up like mother, calling them father, getting fed little yum-yums. Are you listening to me? And then somebody along the line said, hey, if you kiss the ring and go down like this, we'll give you a special blessing. You light a candle, you'll help Aunt Mima get out of purgatory. Somebody started saying that stuff. 
but you can't find it in here. Are you all listening to me? Now, people who go to churches like that think that's normal. Men dressing in robes, having people kiss their way, uh, rings, getting fed little num-nums, okay? That's what they think is normal. But they come to a church, we're tongue-talking, we're prophesying, we're clapping their ha our hands. They think we're crazy. But here's the difference. Ours is in the Bible, yours is not. We're doing what Paul did. Are you listening to me? You find a pope, I'll believe in it. You find purgatory, I'll believe in it. You find a prayer to Mary, I'll believe in it. Until then, shh, mom is the word. I'm about this business right here. I'm about the Bible, baby. Are you checking with me right now? This is what I be about. I love everybody. Oh, you just got something against the Catholics. No, I got something against errors. I got something against stupidity. I've got something against heresy, false teachings. And if I'm wrong, show me I'm wrong. But I don't want to hear somebody down the road said it. I want to know what the Bible said. Because the Bible is right. Let God be true and every man a liar. And I have Catholic friends and families, and I, I love them, and I just I do the same thing I'm doing with you right now. I just tell them, follow the Bible. Do what Jesus said. It's simple. Amen? B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Amen. It's not what this one said, that one said. It's what, and if he said, when you come to church, I want you to jump up on one leg and bark like a dog, I would be barking, you know, if this is what God wanted. You understand people bow down to Mecca five times towards a place in the Middle East that's a black box with an asteroid that fell out the sky, call it a holy place, bow down five times a day with the carpet. They, that's what they do for their religion because they believe God said it. Someone uh, taught them that they joined the Mahadeen, the, the Jihad warriors. They fly themselves into a plane. They do it. Shout Allah Akbar. Why? Because they believe that's what their God said. We know that's a demon God, false spirit, but they still do. We got to at least give them credit that they do what their God said. You all tracking with me? Does anybody here want to do what your God said? Anybody here want to speak in tongues? Anybody here want to prophesy? Anybody here want to get down with love? This is what I'm about right here. Oh, you guys so crazy. You say so crazy. No, I'm just like this man, Paul. I'm just like Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. That was definitely not in the notes. Let's go to the notes, mon frere, profivore. Let's go to the notes as I slow the roll down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting off, talks about love. Now, our notes are on the website and uh, on Facebook, so you can go through. And whatever I miss today, you guys can read through more thoroughly. He starts off in verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. His point was, if we are just spiritual... And we think we're so spiritual, but we're not loving. We're just making a lot of noise, like a ganging symbol, uh, a clanging symbol. We are not like Christ. So when people have told me, "Yeah, Pastor, I was a part of a real spiritual church," they would clap hands, shout and holler, and then they would be legalistic, and then they would talk about me behind my back, and they would abuse their children. You see, what they were lacking was love. You gotta have both. You, you've gotta have grace and truth. You've gotta have the spirit and you've gotta have the word of God to balance it out, to uh, make that Holy Ghost lemonade, as I like to say. You know, the truth of God sometimes can be like that lemon. It's a little bit bitter. We don't always like it, you know? The spirit of God is kind of sweet and like the sugar. And then the water is like the word of God that mixes it all together and gives it to our life. What does that make? Lemonade. Right? But if you don't have one of those parts, if you're missing water and all you have is lemon and sugar, it's not the same. If all you have is water and sugar, no lemon, no truth, it's not the same. Is everybody with me? 
He said, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, so there's languages of men and there's languages of angels. Do you think up in heaven the angels are talking back and forth to each other in English? Like, hey, angel Gabriel, what's going on with you? Or, que paso, what's happening? No, no, angels probably have what? Angel languages. So he said, hey, I can speak in earthly languages and I can speak in languages of angels. But if I don't have love, it's annoying. Look at number two. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and I have faith to move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. Now he says, if I do great things, I prophesy. And we learned last week that prophecy is encouraging God's people with the voice of God, hearing what God is saying and then speaking it out, saying something like, I hear God telling you this or I hear God saying this. That's a prophecy. But if you do that and you don't have love, it counts for nothing. If you have faith to move mountains, change lives, and, and be awesome for God and even fathom minis- uh, mysteries and you're a scholar, you have all knowledge you have love, you're nothing verse number 3 says if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship and another translation says give my body to be burned but I have love, I gain nothing everybody say nada so here in verses 1, 2, and 3, there's three things that Paul says. If you don't have love, they're nothing. Without love, tongues becomes annoying. Without love, spiritual attributes and knowledge becomes useless. And without love, physical suffering gains no rewards. So how many think we need some love? Now, is it a coincidence that Paul mentions this between 12 and 14? Remember last week, chapter 12, the preceding chapter is all about spiritual gifts. And chapter 14, you just heard it read, is all about spiritual gifts as well. Why did he put 13 in the middle there? To remind us, it's always about love. Just because you cast out demons, just because you have spiritual gifts, if you don't love, it profits nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about love. Never forget that. No matter how big you get in church, no matter how much you know about God, if you don't love, it means nothing. Think of it like a marriage. If you don't love your wife, all that you do will mean nothing. Think of it with your children. If you don't love your children, all that you give them means nothing. Now he gives the definition of love. The Bible is so awesome. It gives the greatest definition I believe the world has ever known. I don't believe there's any work of poetry. I don't believe there's any Shakespearean play. I don't believe there's any psychologist, psychiatrist, or anybody like that that can define love like this right definition right here. The Bible defines love. Any person looking for love, make sure you find this in your spouse. Anybody here that is married, keep this as the center of your relationship. Anybody raising children, do it like this. Friendships, This is your definition of love. Love is what? 16 things. We're going to say it together. Come on. Love is patient, kind, does not envy, number four, does not boast, is not rude. Uh, Excuse me. I messed up. Number five, is not proud, does not dishonor others, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no records of wrong, does not delight in evil, rejoices with truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails. Now that's love. Amen? That's the definition of love. That's our definition of love. What a beautiful definition. You could spend your whole life searching out the depths, and you would never reach the bottom of God's love. You could try to go to the heights of God's love and never reach it. The breath, wrap your hands around it or see where it ends. It is 
unimaginable. His agape love is without end. It is an eternal love. And the Bible says we love because he first loved us. Also, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from your father above. So even atheists, other religions, whenever they love, they're acting out of the love that God has given in their heart. Okay? It is a gift of God, and there it is defined for you. Number eight, now he goes into the spiritual gifts. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Paul now says three things, unlike love, will pass away. Love never passes away, but three things will. Prophecies will pass away. Tongues will pass away. And knowledge will pass away. This is now the disagreement that different denominations have over spiritual gifts. They'll like to point out to this verse right here and say, "Ah, excuse me, pastor. You see, the Bible says one day prophecies will pass away. One day tongues will pass away. See, it passed away. When the last disciple passed away, that's where tongues and spiritual gifts died. It didn't continue on. But then I always like to go, "Ah, knowledge, has that passed away? Despite you, I still believe knowledge is here. Hello? Despite your thinking, I still believe knowledge is here. So he puts together prophecies and tongues with knowledge to show us that these things are a part of our life on earth, that spiritual things are comprehended and experienced through prophecy and tongues and all the other gifts of the Spirit, and all of the natural things are experienced through knowledge, through the traditional sense of learning, gaining information. So he says, both of these things will pass away. Prophecy and tongues standing for one thing, spiritual uh, interaction, and knowledge, learning interaction. Those will pass away, but love will always be here. Now just fast forward, and I'll get to the text in just a minute, but think about heaven. Do you think in heaven we need to speak an unlearned language to God and to the angels once we're in heaven? No, because we will know the language of heaven. We'll be a citizen of heaven. So will we need tongues anymore in heaven? Will we need prophecy in heaven? Will we need to know what the Father is thinking and tell somebody else? Be like, hey, uh, the Father wants me to tell you he loves you. They'll be like, dude, I'm in heaven. I can see him right there. I, I hear his voice quite fine, you know. So will we need that? No. How about this? Will we need to study books in heaven to understand God's creation, the universe, to understand the women? Come on, like the, for the first time, like we'll understand women, right? Oh, that's it. You know what I'm saying? You know, will we need to read books to gain that knowledge? Everybody go, no. That's what he's saying. But will we still have love in heaven? Will you love God in heaven? Will you love your neighbor in heaven? Amen. Okay. Now look at verse 9. For we we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, also known as perfection, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put put off the ways of childhood. And now we see only through reflection as in a mirror that we shall see face to face. Know in part that I shall be known fully as I am even fully known. So here's what he's saying is right now, I prophesy in part because I only know God in part. But when the perfection and completion comes, what is in part will disappear. And so what some uh, theologians have tried to say, that word completeness is teleon in the Greek. They have tried to say when the perfection, teleon, completeness comes, then we won't need prophecy anymore. And they say that that is the Bible. So that now we can look, instead of looking at the last disciple dying and the gifts of the spirits going with him, that we can instead see when the Bible was 
completed that we would no longer need it. However, if you look at why this is incorrect, in the passage itself, it tells us what else would happen at this time. Let me make it plain for you. The belief, by the way, is called cessationism. comes from the word ceasing in the prior verse. But here's what he also says. He says that when this completeness comes, I have a resurrected body because I can see God face to face. Do you see God right now face to face? Or do you see God in part like looking through a reflection? You see, while you're on this earth, your body prohibits you from leaving this earth as a soul and spirit and seeing God face to face. If you lose your body, you see God face to face. Does everybody understand that? Your body keeps you here. But the bad part is your body is sinful. Adam and Eve used to see God face to face in their body, but he said the day you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now, what happened that day they ate of that tree of knowledge and good and evil? Did they fall over dead? No, what died that day? In their spirit they died, and then they realized they were naked. How come they never knew they were naked before? Because the physical body was the shell, like a light bulb has a glass outer shell that's translucent, but the light, the spirit, flows through us like a light through a a translucent glass. So they didn't see their body, they saw their spirit. But they knew they had a body, but they couldn't tell if they were naked or not. So when their spirit died, it's like turning off a light. You can read the label on the light bulb now. Are you guys with me? So you can, you know, you can have a general electric light bulb, but when the light's on, you don't see it. The light goes off. Now you see the logo general electric. So when their spirit was created to have a body, they never noticed or took, uh, took notice of their body. They just knew that this was their car, as it were, to travel around on earth. They were a spiritual being living in a physical body. But when their spirit died, then they realized all I now have is this body the flesh and then God separated himself from them and could not behold them anymore and from that point forward it says no one saw God because no one can see him and live because he is a blinding destroying Holy Ghost power stronger than a nuclear bomb source of holiness so if God would show up in your world right now with the glory of heaven it would destroy this earthly body you would die. Does everybody understand this? you got to know the Bible to understand the Bible. He says here, we're only seen through a reflection of God. We're only seen through a cloudy window. And what is that? Our flesh. Just look at it. It says, for now, verse 12, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then, everybody say then. Then we shall see him what? Face to face, now I know in what? Then I shall know what? Fully, even as I am. Okay, so could the Bible be the completeness that Paul is talking about? It can't. Because when we got the canon of the Bible, 27 books of the New Testament, 39 of the Old Testament, did your physical body change and you see God face to face? No. The second thing is, has knowledge ceased? Because it says, we now know in part, but then when the completeness comes, we shall be fully known and know fully. Do you fully know all the things of God right now? Because you possess the Bible, I want to ask you again, do you fully know the things of God? 
No, now ask yourself this. Is there not places in the Bible where John says he saw things that he couldn't write down? So even if we have all the Bible, do we still have the full knowledge of God and all that is his kingdom in eternal sense? So we don't even have it all even in the Bible, not even probably just a little drop. The Bible is probably just a picture, uh, just a glimpse of what heaven is like, not even a full understanding of it. Think about this. The book of Revelation just ends with saying, here's a building, here's God, new earth, uh, a, a new heaven, new earth. This is what it looks like. He doesn't even talk about what happens after that. What do we do after that? It's just basically ending the movie, closing the, the you know, sh shutting down the uh, the play right at the, the ending part, right when it starts getting good. Why? Because he's not bribing us with heaven. He's telling us the most important thing you need to know about heaven is a relationship with me. Then in heaven, knowing him, we will do all the other things and who knows what will be up there. We might be like traveling from planet to planet. And who knows? I mean, it's just going to be amazing. So we don't have a resurrected body. We still see God through a shadow. Our knowledge hasn't ceased, so we still have to study to learn about him. We don't know everything. Number three, we don't see him face to face. And number four, we don't now know everything. So those four things, as I've repeated today, have shown us that the completeness cannot refer to the Bible. So what does it refer to? The completeness, Paul uh, mentioned it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He uses the same word, teleo, which is the root of teleon. He says, not that I've already obtained or have already been made perfect but he says this is what I go on to do I forget those things behind me strive towards what's in front of me what is he talking about the resurrection that one day he would lose this earthly body this body that blocks him from seeing God and he would have a new body so he can do all of these things so until your resurrected body comes completeness perfection teleon you will need knowledge you will need of spiritual gifts and of natural gifts to gain in your understanding they have not ceased see why it's a hard sermon some of you guys are bored it's like all he's doing is reading the Bible and explaining it to me. He's not, like, making me laugh. He's not telling me stories. I'm just looking at the Bible, and he's explaining. Man, come on. Can we get excited about the Bible? This, this is the star of the show, right? This is, this is what we're here for, right? So, I mean, I just kind of helped you understand the gifts of the Spirit are still here. That's pretty awesome, right? Because there's other people who say it's not, but it is, right? So we're there. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So he tells us that when we lose knowledge, when we no longer have to learn it to gain it, and we no longer need prophecy to hear God's voice, and we no longer need tongues, there will still be three things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. What is faith? Our trust in God. We will trust him forever in eternity. We may not have to trust him to walk on water and do different things, but we'll forever be his children in a codependent relationship to him. He as our father and us as children, just trusting him. Hope will always be with us. We'll always believe that our heavenly father has good for us in the future, that now for eternity, as long as we're with him, he will do good for us. And of course, love will be there. So a lot of times people think heaven is boring because they think of heaven in a natural sense. You know, like we'll be little babies with angels flying around the throne of God. They don't understand heaven is a place of perfect love. Does anybody here love love? Can anybody here really have too much of love? No, you can't. I mean, you, you can have too much of a person and you can fall out of love with a person. But when you are genuinely in love with your child, there's just nothing greater than that. When you're genuinely in love with somebody, like your spouse, nothing compares to it. Now take that times a million presence of God. It's going to be pretty awesome. Amen. Now, that's pretty much the introduction. Now, here comes the next 40 verses. Are you ready? 
Now, this is why I was telling you. See, it's like, it's, it's like an awesome sermon if I can preach for two hours. It's like mediocre if I only preach it for a half hour. But uh, no, I'm kidding. God will use it. How about we just go all the way to the bottom, brother? Let me just summarize this message. I'm just going to go all the way to the bottom. Some of you all want it, but not, what I think it would be best for me to yeah, look at that mamma jamma. <laughs> go right there. Let me just give you eight concluding points so at least I can have shared it with you. And then if I can't get through it all, we can know the main point of what this sermon series was about. Okay? Let me just share with you my heart as a pastor. When I first got saved, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I was at my mother's kitchen table. I was wanting to go to a mental hospital because I was on drugs. I just couldn't get my life together. She said, Jesus will change your life. I was brought up Christian, but at this point in my life, at 18, I had put Christianity in the same realm that I would put the Tooth Fairy and Christmas and the Easter Bunny and things like that, Santa Claus. She said, Jesus will change your life. I then argued with her, and I said, no, Jesus is no different than Buddha. I even think I said the Tooth Fairy. And she goes, you know what? I'm telling you. Let me pray for you, and I know Jesus will set you free. At that point, November 5th, 1995, 18 years old, I was at my last rope. You know, it took me to get to this point so that I could have just the faith of a mustard seed. I, I just had just enough belief that if my mom believed it, that maybe God could do something. So I just cracked open my heart just a little bit of my own free will. God didn't force me. I just said, okay, then pray for me. And at that moment, what was different from all the other prayers that my mom had prayed in my childhood and all of that is that at this moment, I was really open to the idea of, if God's your real, talk to me now. And as she began to pray, I literally felt like electricity go up and down my body. And I knew at that moment that God was real and that Jesus was his son. And then she led me in a prayer, and she said, Joe, you've got to get forgiveness of your sins. You've got you to come back to him. And so I repented of my sins right there at the kitchen table. And then she gave me this Bible that I had had when I was a little kid in, like, third grade from a private school. And we memorized Scripture, and they gave me this Bible as a gift, you know, memorizing Scripture. She gave me back this Bible, and she said, just start to read it. So I go home that night to the girl's house that I'm not married to. I go back there, and I just open it up wherever it, you know, will fall to when I split it down the middle. And it just happened to go right to Psalms, the, the Psalms of David. And I just start reading it, and instantly the power of God just starts to go up and down over me, man, like just like hot oil, like I am just feeling Jesus. And then I start thinking about all the things that I've done wrong, and, and then as I'm thinking of those things and I'm saying I'm sorry to God, at the same moment, God is telling me how much he loves me, and it's just, it's just overwhelming me, like I've done all of these things, and God, you love me. And, and, and then I, I go to put myself together because I just can't stop crying, and I go to the bathroom, and I look, you know, I, I go to the sink, and I'm just wiping myself down. i got snot going everywhere, and I just look up into the mirror, and the moment I look up into this the mirror, I see like this black shadow over my face. I, I wasn't on drugs. I was sober. I see this black shadow over my face. This evil presence then just overwhelms me, and I get scared. I call up my mom, and I go, I think I've got evil around me, things like demons. I don't even know what they are, but I, they're around me, you know, because I'd watched my horror movies, and I was brought up in church. And I just knew this wasn't right. And so I, I then go to, to my parents, back to my parents' house, and my dad had got home from work, and, and, and my dad said, just come over here to the living room. So I got saved at the, at, the, at the kitchen, but in the living room, I had literally demons cast out of me. I go on my knees at the living room couch, and I just go, Dad, I just want this evil to leave me. And my dad then says, he could say, 
sense the evil in the room as well. So he just started taking authority. And he was like, Satan, you leave my son in the name of Jesus. You get out of his life. You take all your drugs, all your addiction, all your thoughts of suicide, all your anger, all your violence, and you leave him in Jesus' name. And I literally felt that evil presence just lift off of me. And then I felt the presence of God come back. Come on. And, and I felt the presence of God come back over my life. And then I just began to hear these sounds of heaven that when I was a child growing up in a church like this, because my parents went to a church like this, but, but I just began to hear these sounds in my, my heart as I was praying there at the, at, at the living room couch. And I didn't know the language, but I just started speaking them out. And at that point, I realized I was speaking in tongues. I was, I was just glorifying God in, in that awesome way. And then I went to church a couple days later, and pastors began to teach me, and, and then I started street witnessing, and nine months later I was in Bible college, and it wasn't until I was in Bible college that I began to realize that there were churches that didn't believe this. Like, I was like, Jack, I've been through this. I got the t-shirt. I know this stuff is real. Like, you learned this in a cemetery, I mean seminary. I went through this. If it wasn't for my dad casting out demons, if it wasn't for that joy, that power of the Holy Spirit, I could keep you here all day. I remember when I was, you know, coming off of cocaine and then all those drugs were leaving my body, I would shake and I would deal with the, you know, the, the addiction and I was, you know, just going through withdrawals. I remember falling on my face in my bedroom, just crying out in tongues and asking God for mercy to set me free. And that's why I tell people I didn't take 12 steps it was one step to Jesus baby and he set me free he set me free and so, you know, it's, it's, then I began to minister in New Orleans and, you know, go to the French Quarter. I began to see psychics, and some of them, of course, are a joke, and they're just trying to get money. But I began to see, like, real spiritual power, that same evil that I had felt in my life. I would see in other people's lives. Like, I would see them, like, growl and snarl and make faces at me and convulse and just because I was there preaching to them. And uh, I've, I've seen those kinds of things. And, and so what I did is I went back to the Bible, and I said, God, now, you got to give me more power. I need to get juiced up, get amped up on this Holy Ghost. And, and I started going out to the French Quarter, and I started seeing demons cast out of other people's lives and sick people healed. And I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years now. You listen to me, almost 20 years from here to India to Nepal to different parts of America. I remember one time being in Atlanta, and we were having a tent crusade. And the pastor there, he was just excited that everybody had come to the altar. I preached, you know, my heart out, and there was somebody up there. But they just kept screaming and shaking and it wasn't like a Holy Ghost thing and, and, and they, they, their head kept twisting and all that and we said go in the name of Jesus and, and this demon left and the pastor looked at me he said I've been working here for years I ain't never seen that happen I said that's the boom shakalaka baby that's what Jesus said he cast out demons I mean, and, and, and so when, when we as, as your church are, are, are doing this, you know, sometimes to fast forward to today, you know, people put us in the categories of like televangelists or, or somebody that's, you know, been a swindler or somebody that has a bad name or a bad reputation, and they think the gifts of the Spirit are something that are, you know, manufactured of the flesh or we're putting on a show. No, th this to me is everything. This is how I got saved. This is what I've seen God do. And many here have the same kind of testimony. Maybe not demons getting cast out of you, but you've experienced God. And so this whole series, what I wanted to do was take you verse by verse so that you could understand that this is legit for the things of God. Amen? So here is the summary. 
of these points. Here's the summary. I just don't have time to get into chapter 14, but I will summarize the points. I have it, I have it all here. Number one, don't be ignorant or uninformed about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, don't be uninformed about spiritual gifts. Take time to read the Bible, to understand what we just read in 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. This stuff is real. Invest your life into studying it. Don't just brush it off, and don't take somebody else's word for it. Read it, and then experience it, and I believe you'll see it's true. Number two, all the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts, the service gifts, what we talked about are the fivefold ministry, and then the working, those seven things that God does in the church, are for every born-again believer, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. So every one of you can experience these things. One of the greatest things we saw when David Montes left for Georgia, uh, uh, you know, one of our elders there, he talked about in his home Bible study, two different occasions when they saw evil spirits cast out of somebody. You can obviously say, uh, tell in this church we're not sensationalistic, meaning we're not saying it happens every day. Do you guys get that? I'm not saying today demons got cast out, but it happens. We're not saying every time we pray somebody gets healed, but it happens. We've seen it from everybody, whether it's a sergeant in the military, whether it's a single mom, whether it's a businessman, it doesn't matter. We've seen signs follow them. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he wills, so don't be prideful, self-loathing, or jealous. If you're prideful and say, look at the gifts I have, that's wrong. If you're self-loathing and say, God doesn't want me to speak in tongues, you're just acting uh, immature. God does want you to speak in tongues. God does want you to have gifts, so don't act like you know, you know, you can't get them. God commanded you to receive them. And then lastly, don't be jealous because someone may have ones that you don't have. We all can speak in tongues at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we all can pray for the sick and see demons cast out, but we may not all in one service have a message of wisdom, a message of tongues with interpretation. Those are the things that we learned last week. Now, learning what we uh, learned this week, number four, love for God and people must always be at the center of all the church does, especially when it comes to spiritual gifts. So everything we're doing and talking about spiritually is because we love people. Do you understand? When we talk about casting out demons, we're not trying to impress you like the non-demon-possessed person. We're trying to get the demon-possessed person free. I don't care what you think about me. Do you have a demon? If you had one, you would love me. You would think it would be awesome. I remember one time in our service, we were just praying, doing our thing, and one man went to convulsions in the back. It was kind of strange. One of our elders talked to him. It, it ended, and he just went home. But then he called him up in the middle of the night, and he said, you know, the reason why I was shaking while I was in your church is because I have demons, and they're still talking to me. Come to my house. And I'm thinking, this guy is crazy. You know, I'm just like, man, who, who does that, you know? So my wife comes with me. My wife had never seen demons cast out. She had been in her church, been, been a part of church her whole life as well. And we go to this man's house, and I'm like, dude, what's going on with you? like what's going on in life. We're having like a normal conversation. So I'm just thinking, man, he's a little weird. You know, he's a little weirdy, okay? The pastor thinks people are weird. That's all right. So I'm just like, you're weird. But I'm just like, let's just pray before we go. I just, and I, he stood up, and I just go, Jesus. And I just said, Jesus. And I couldn't even get my full prayer up. This guy went full on spasm, spastic, just crazy. We had another guy holding him down. My wife's freaking out, speaking in tongues. We cast out devils. Jesus is Lord. Number four, just make it all about love. Number five, eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, all nine of them, especially the ones like prophecy and tongues with interpretations because they edify the body. Ben, would you come, please? When he's talking about in 14, don't speak in tongues uh, to the church, or rather when he says, I would rather speak 
uh, five intelligible words to the church and 10,000 in tongues. What he is talking about is what I'm doing right now. When I'm in a time of instruction, I shouldn't speak to you in tongues. I should give you intelligible words for you to understand. How many know if I just kept speaking in tongues right now, you wouldn't understand what I was saying? It'd be really cray cray. But if I'm speaking to you, I can give you five intelligible words. Listen to this, baby girl. Come on. Live for Jesus every day. Come on. Or every day. Is that one word? Live for Jesus every day. People. People. People live. You know, you, you live for Jesus every day, baby. Come on. Got a little hood on you. That's all right. What he means by that, what he is saying is, see, those five words are more intelligible to you for the benefit of instruction than me speaking in tongues. He said, then the one speaking in tongues should do so between them and God. So when we speak in tongues, unless it has an interpretation, we do so between us and God as how we pray and as how we sing. My prayer is between me and God. You don't need to hear my prayer, do you? When I pray to God, do you need to hear my prayer? You don't need to. Unless there's some benefit of you hearing it, you don't need to hear it. So what he was saying was, if you come to church, you should desire the gifts that will not only benefit you personally, but will benefit the body. So I come here, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking, like Paul, maybe speaking tongues more than all of y'all, but I know there's some who might challenge me a little bit. We got some tongue talkers up in here. Can I hear an Amen. When we're here, we're supposed to say, God, you've done all of this for me. Would you give me an interpretation of my tongue to the congregation so it will benefit them or give me a prophecy so that they can benefit from it? Okay, number five, eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, especially the ones like prophecy and tongues with interpretation. Number six, remember there is a difference between praying, singing in tongues for private edification and giving a message in tongues with interpretation to the church to serve as prophecy. We're going to be standing in just a little bit, and I'm going to be saying, those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit speak in other tongues with us. When we do that, that's between us and God. That is different than when I give you a prophecy or interpret the tongue. Because if I give you a prophecy, it's not between me and God, it's between me and you. You're supposed to receive the message. How many received something from the prophetic words that came uh, during the worship time today? Those were messages for the congregation, right? But did you hear tongues today? Did anybody hear anybody speak in tongues? Was that a message for you? So they were speaking in tongues to you or to God? To God. Now, if when it's silent and somebody speaks in a tongue and you all hear them, what are they supposed to do? Interpret it. Why? Because now it's a message to you. So Paul had said, if I sing and pray in the Spirit, that's great. But if I want to give you a message, I need to interpret it. Number seven. Don't forbid speaking in tongues in the church. That's how he ends in 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forget, forbid speaking in tongues. Why would he say that? Because if you listen to the whole chapter, some people might wrongly think that the only time you can speak in tongues in church is this: there's an interpreter. 
And so these are what I like to call the spirit light folks. They go, yeah, I believe in tongues. It hasn't ceased. But I don't believe in the church. You're to speak your tongue as prayer to God. You're only supposed to speak in tongues when it has an interpretation. Has anybody ever heard anything like that? That's spirit light. Paul in this verse purposely rebukes, rebuts that so that there's not any confusion. He says, be eager to prophesy, do that which is beneficial for the congregation, and don't forbid speaking in tongues. Now, my spirit light friends, they like to put right in after that, don't speak in tongues, uh, don't forbid speaking in tongues without an interpretation. They read that into it. They say, well, what he means is don't forbid it, as long as it has an interpretation. But I believe, number one, it doesn't say it there, but I believe purposely it doesn't say it there because it's already assumed that when tongues comes with interpretation, it is the equivalent of prophecy because now the message of tongues is prophetic. Are you listening? So he doesn't need to repeat it. And prior verses, he has already told you tongues with interpretation with tongues the interpretation of tongues is always okay in the church the reason why he has to say just point blank don't forbid speaking in tongues is if people were to confuse him as to say unless there's interpretation don't do it he's saying don't be that guy don't forbid it so what do we do in our church we prophesy we have tongues and interpretation, but we do not forbid the prayer language of tongues to God in this church. We do not forbid the singing in tongues to this church. All that we do, all that we ask in the order of the New Testament is that it's not addressed to people, but addressed to God as prayer. Is everybody with me on that? And then lastly, number eight, keep the order of the Spirit so that God will always be glorified, people will be saved, and the believers will be built up. So when you come to a service like this, and let me just please be patient, let me just at least give you an example. I wanted to give this to you. When you come to a service like this, this is what you should experience. I believe this is like Paul's church. You should come here, and there should be prayer. Do you ever see prayer in this church? The Bible says that his house will be called a house of prayer. Let's just ask that question again as you guys are waking up from your little nappy nap do you guys ever see prayer in this church okay there should be singing songs to Jesus hymns in this church do you ever see singing of songs to the, in this church Okay. there should be preaching instruction in this church do you ever see preaching and instruction there should be tongues with individuals singing to themselves and uh, singing from themselves to God, singing in tongues and praying in tongues. Do you ever hear people sing and pray in tongues in this church? That should be here. Do you ever have, pro have you ever heard or seen prophecy in this church where somebody gives a message spontaneously from the heart of God saying this is what God says to this congregation? Do you ever see that in this church? That should be in this church as well. Do you see people get saved in this church? People should be getting saved. Do you ever see the other remaining gifts that weren't addressed in this chapter but were addressed in chapter 12? Do you ever hear or see people get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, which leads to the casting out of demons? Do you ever see the working of faith in this church, the working of the miraculous in this church? Do you see those kinds of things? 
That's the kind of church you want to be a part of. Are we the only one? No, we're one of 500 million. 500 million people around the world believe the way we do. It's the Pentecostal revival. 80% of the Protestant growth around the world comes from churches like this. I want you to get that in your mind right now. Eight out of ten people who get saved around the world get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Talk to anybody around the world that's been to India, China, the Philippines. The Spirit-filled church is the majority of the Christians. In, the, in America, Southern Baptists outnumber the Assemblies of God. In America, there's about 10 million Assembly of God, which is a major denomination for those who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's about 30 million Southern Baptists. Do you want to know how many Assemblies of God believers there are in the world? 80 million. 80 million. You know how many Southern Baptists there are in the world? Only about another additional 20 to 30 million. That means we outnumber them when we combine our numbers in the world. Now, here's the problem. The reason why people in China believe this, people in South America believe this, people in other countries believe this more than people here in America is because we think we're smarter than Paul in the Bible. We honestly do. We put our own interpretation above what the Bible says. But if you talk to somebody in another country that has never been a part of church or hasn't been influenced by other teachings, people on the radio, moody radio, whatever, they just go, okay, I'll do it just like the way I do. You know, when I get, got saved, it was like, boom, it's all happening. I'm ready for God. So what do I ask you to do? I ask you to take any argument, anything that you've ever had in your life that disagrees with what we just taught and go look at those notes. Those notes are extensive and give me a better answer if you cannot give a better answer which I don't believe you can I ask you like Paul did to give your heart to Jesus and trust that he will use you in these spiritual gifts and as we move past this series into other series let us never move past the foundation of being born and baptized of the spirit let us never do that amen and in a quick qualification for the women in the ministry, Paul was speaking to women at a time that were having to walk the tightrope of Jewish culture where women couldn't even talk in church and had to sit in separate sections. That's why Paul said the law said that a woman must remain silent. And he was dealing with disruptive nature of women that came from false religions where they were prophetesses and prostitutes in the same place. They would prophesy while they were giving their body to prostitution and they would make outbursts in the middle of the service. So he said, stop talking in church. Ask your husband when you go home. But if you read in Romans chapter 16, as he develops further his ministry with women, he appoints them as, as leaders. One of them, Phoebe, Phoebe became a deacon. And then Andrew, Nicus, and Junia were one of his fellow apostles that planted churches with him that had authority. Also, you can see Apollos was instructed by Priscilla and Aquila. Woman's name coming first meant that she was the main teacher of the house, instructed a man in the home. So though Paul, like he did in Ephesus and Timothy, he wrote the book of Timothy to, to the man named Timothy in Ephesus, and like he said to the Corinthians, those two places, I don't allow women to talk, he did give them freedom and he did allow them to be used. And now today, today, think about this, in a place like China, I just got this stat, the majority of the pastors and leaders there are women, and some of them pastor up to 5,000 churches. That means they individually oversee churches. Why? Because God has turned them loose around the nations to take over. He said, go. And he said this in Acts chapter 2, prophesied from Joel, that your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
okay? And I've debated against this. Uh, a head Baptist guy, karm.org, Matt Slick, I debated this. It's undebatable according to the scripture. We either allow women to operate in the gifts or we treat them as second-class citizens. Paul had to do that for a time because of his culture. We're not in that culture, so we allow them to have the full liberty of the spirit. Amen? But if you want to argue with that, then keep it all. Give your brother a holy kiss. Do that. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Give your brother a holy kiss. Don't have your women cut their hair, wear jewels, or braided hair. That's another thing. Don't allow them to ever talk, right? And especially don't let them go to school to be educated. That would also have been a problem, right? Because they can't have authority over a man, so that means you can't work for a woman with a boss. So unless you take it all, you have to understand it's culture. Did my best. Let's all stand up together. <sighs> Oh, Jesus, let's just thank him today for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. Though we can't, God, grasp it all, though I didn't have all that time, Lord, you can make it real to us. You can make it real, God. Make it real, God. Set our hearts on fire. Set our hearts on fire, Jesus. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to dismiss. Thank you guys for staying a little later. But let's just pray for a moment before we dismiss. Come on, those baptized with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Come on, just pray to God right now. Pray to the Lord. Edify yourself. Build up your most holy faith between you and God. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Tongues of men tongues of angels we glorify you if people here think we're out of our mind that's okay hallelujah we're in the mind of Christ hallelujah hallelujah I see through a shadow but a reflection one day I'll see you face to face until then Lord give me your spirit